0: This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable Discussion. It's going to be myself, Luke Inman, and Sam Ekstrom. Well, fellas, here we go again. It's another Roundtable Discussion. And I'm going to kind of preface two topics in this first one. So when you look at Saturday's Vikings-Broncos game, and primarily, I mean, we, we know what we have in this defense. We heard the defense dominated the offense the other day in practice. Um, hats off to them. That 3-4 defense is going to create nightmares for a lot of people. They couldn't even hit Kirk Cousins, and Kirk found a way to throw three interceptions. Not great, but hopefully no defense is as good as the Vikings, so Kirk won't have to deal with that. But also, he's getting that those cobwebs off because he hasn't played much. So we'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. If not playing in the preseason – is valuable for some of these quarterbacks. When you see these guys going out there and getting lathered up. But before we jump into that, when you subscribe to locked on sports, Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and I talk football every single day on the Ron Johnson show. Reggie Wilson gives us the sports anchors perspective on superior sports talk and the football party, the Minnesota football party. It brings all the top uh, podcasters together in the city and again, You might see a foil hat now and and now and again, subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed on lockedonpodcast.com backslash Minnesota, or wherever you get your podcasts and find our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. But here's the first question I throw at you. When you think about the Broncos Vikings game coming up on Saturday, what are some of the storylines that you're looking forward to? And is JC Treader? Can we look at this offensive line Saturday? And does this J.C. Treader start to creep in now saying, well, maybe we could have had a serviceable guard? Fellas, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost, Vikes Bronx this Saturday. It always starts with the quarterback, right? How much does Nick Mullins play, and how does he look? Is he getting acclimated quickly? Is he getting his timing and chemistry down with his receivers? Is he starting already ahead of a guy like Manny Normand? He came from the similar offense with Shani, but it's different verbiage, new looks, new wrinkles. So I'm going to give him personally a big grace period here in the next three, four weeks, but every snap still matters. And how he plays Saturday, it's going to go into the decision When it comes to who's going to be the backup week one, the other thing I'm going to be looking forward to is the running back stable. I got questions here. I love all four of them. First and foremost, they're deep. They're talented. They've got a great mix of vets at the top and these new young talented guys coming in with A and Chandler. But will they actually keep five running backs when you include CJ Hammond in the mix? I mean, from a talent perspective... I think if you're just keeping the best 53 guys on the roster, they would have to, but that's a lot of running backs. And we know that steals an extra spot from another weaker position. So I'm starting to wonder here, If they're in the background, behind the scenes, picking up the phone, maybe shopping a guy like Alexander Madison right now, set to be a free agent next year anyways. And if you're Madison, by the way, that could be a blessing in disguise for him personally, going to a running back needy team where you could see more fair share of reps, get a head start with a new team before your contract expires. There's a few running back needy teams out there right now. and I think even if you could pick up a, a fifth or a sixth round pick, i think i would have to think long and hard about punching that i love madison on the roster from a standpoint but things are very muddy right now in this positional grouping and his role and his future is kind of up in the air so how they use these running backs saturday is my point something i'm very curious about on one hand if you're trying to shop them maybe you give them a healthy workload to showcase his skills you know um boost his stock a little bit on the other hand If you're already getting some calls, some interest from teams, maybe you shelf him and make sure he doesn't get hurt. So I'll be reading between the lines whatever decision they roll with with Madison and the rest of the running backs in that group and how they use him Saturday.
2: Yeah, can I address the Treader thing that Ron brought up? Because I I got heated about this on yesterday's Minnesota football party, and I've still got a little bit of lather left. So let me tell you about this J.C. Treader situation. Just to recap, he comes out in Sports Illustrated and says, I wanted to play for the Panthers, Broncos, or Vikings. I think the three teams were. And I cheered for the Vikings when I was young. I wanted to end my career in Minnesota. He said that. He also said, the Vikings never returned our calls. He's been available? What? Mind blown. He's been available this whole time, and the Vikings didn't make a move to bring him in? I know that there's a knee issue around him. I know that that's a big storyline and Quasey was part of the Browns organization and probably knows how bad the knee situation is. That being said, from what I've read, J.C. Treader had the bad knee all of last year. He's dealt with it for years. He's been a top three center in the NFL the last four years. Garrett Bradbury, God bless him, has the worst pass blocking grade in the NFL the past three years. So, I can't believe that JC Tredder couldn't go out there on like a stump of a leg and still be a league average center. I'm sorry. Like he clearly has shown the ability to play through injury. I think he would have been a fantastic addition to this offensive line and shame on the Vikings, honestly, for not bringing him in. And I know there's the whole variable of like him being the NFL PA president. I don't know how that plays in. He thinks that played a big role in not getting signed, which is kind of awkward, but Hey, I'm not here to play politics. If I'm crazy, I'm here to win football games. So bring in J.C. Tredder. Do it. Bring him out of retirement. Do it now. You did it with Favre. You can do it with J.C. Tredder.
0: This is what I'll say to this. One, for the Saturday Broncos-Vikings game, uh, you bring a quarterback this in this quick, if he actually does play early and play ahead of some guys or gets more time and more reps, then clearly he's QB two. And, or they're just – because they didn't trade for a lot, or they're just trying to really figure out what they have in this kid is, is he better than the two guys they have. They're kind of figuring that out at practice, but the problem in the game is you don't want to throw him out there if he really doesn't know the offense. But the good thing about preseason, nobody does anything too tricky. It's pretty basic on both sides. In the third game, most of the teams are pretty much set. They know – they have an idea. Um, they probably have four or five spots now where they're kind of like, well, you know, it could be this guy or this guy, and those five to six guys are fighting for those last spots now. So I'm not too caught up in the, the Saturday storylines. But here's where I go with the J.C. Treader. I feel like this is a game of telephone. I feel like both sides are telling the truth. But I feel like nobody's smart enough from a media standpoint right now to just say what really happened. Reaching out to a team doesn't mean you spoke to them. It just means you try to get in contact with him, whether it was your agent, whether it was you calling the coach because he was with the Browns calling the coach. He knows that knows Quasey. but I guarantee it wasn't like a formal conversation with Quasey or Kevin O'Connell or even anybody, you know, it could have been a scout maybe that he knows that knows a guy. So reaching out to the team, whether he called the switchboard or just left a message. And the coach never really got the message and didn't understand and thought it was maybe an NFLPA call because it said, hey, this is JC Treder from the NFLPA. Can you give me a call back? Who knows what that looked like? But the whole I reached out, he didn't say I spoke to the Vikings and they didn't get back to me. He just said I reached out to the Vikings. I mean, come on now. When we were all younger, we probably reached out to a lot of people. I'm pretty sure you reached out to Jennifer Lopez at one point. She never got back to you she didn't even know you existed. Still bitter so, no- about that one. <laughs> so nothing against that. You know, nothing against what what he's saying and what the Vikings, I think both sides are saying the truth. I think the media took his comment of, oh, I reached out to the Vikings. I hadn't heard back from them. Like, they don't owe you anything. You didn't work out for them and then you didn't hear back from them. You just reached out. Every every free agent is reaching out. Like, hey, man, coach, let me know, man. Like, I, I still got it, man. Let me know. And those coaches just won. They're in the middle of training camp. They're in the middle of... 90 guys that they have to really worry about. And so I think both sides are telling the truth in this. I think there was a reach out and there was a, like, we had no idea he reached out. Like, so that person who actually probably took that call or got that email or whatever it was, they're probably sitting there like, oh crap, I sure did forget to tell coach about JC Treader reaching out to me. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If he's not, if there's 32 teams, now we could say, it's political because the NFL PA president situation. I don't think that matters. Cause even though you're the president, if you're on a team, you still have no real pull as far as with the actual organization as a whole, meaning the NFL. So I think that's a little bit of a reach if he is not healthy and, and the Browns or whoever else signed him, and teams have tried to think about possibly getting them, everybody, you know, it's the same thing. Everybody knows now. Maybe he'll get a workout for somebody now. Cause he's created enough noise and they'll see the same thing. Everybody else sees like, he's not healthy. Like there's a reason for it. Ed Ingram for the Viking standpoint, I don't know about the Panthers. Ed Ingram looks good. Like he looks like a guy that can work in and learn and, and get baptized by fire, but become better. So in that instance, I, I just say it's a wash. I, I say he made it, he might've reached out, but I don't think it was anything formal for him to be like, oh, they never call me back. That sounds like a bitter boy. Or, you know, they reached out to a girl on Instagram and she didn't, you know, she left his DMs on red, you know, and didn't respond to him. That That's what I feel like is going on there. But as we transition and move in, I mean, we're still talking about this roster. The Vikings cut Jordan Berry and they keep Ryan Wright. He won the job. Um, could they find a, another punter in the market? I, I mean, nothing against... You know, but look at the Buffalo Bills, the situation they're dealing with. They let go of their punter. Now their other punter might be suspended for the year. Who knows what's going to happen with this civil court case? You know, who knows what's going to happen with if it becomes a criminal case? Uh, it's tough to really just put your neck out on the line sometimes and find another – like, finding a punter is not always that easy. Um, so if the Vikings feel like, um, you know, Ryan Wright is the best option, like, I mean, the, 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 the comment, you know, you have in there, Sam, is he didn't – he hadn't won the job, um, or sorry, that he had won the job. You know, is it what? I mean, what? Because again, there's a new special teams coach, so it's not. This is not Kevin O'Connell making this decision. This is a special teams coach going off of what he sees. And so in that instance, it's the special teams coach. He's picking his kicker, his punter, and his long snapper. The head coach literally doesn't have a say in that. Besides, well, what? Why? Or the GM? Why? Like, give me your reason why. And then they make the decision together. But the special teams coach, that's the reason why you hire these guys. You delegate. That's the reason why you have a defensive coordinator and a linebackers coach and a quarter, you know, a running backs coach, a quarterback. You delegate that for them because they're with those guys every day. They're in the meeting rooms. They know their mentality. They get their vibe, their swag. So that's on them. So as far as, you know, could they have found another punter on the market? Clearly not. I mean, it's a punter. Not, nothing against the punters in this world. But it's not like there's a – like Pat McAfee's aren't just walking around. So it's not an easy thing to do. Every kid that probably could putt wanted to play quarterback. You know, every kid that could putt probably wants to play receiver or running back. So it's it's not like there's kids signing up in high school like, hey, coach, I play punter. You know, nobody's doing that. Hey, I I play – that's like somebody say I play left field. I'm a left fielder coach. Like kids don't do that at that age. Like you just become good at the outfield and then you realize I can do other stuff. So you play outfield because that's your best way to get on the field. And that's what a punter ended up being. Greg Coleman said that. You know, he was fast. He could play DB. He could have played receiver. But his coach told him, like, hey, this is your ticket. And he taught him how to punt. And Greg, you know, became the first NFL black punter. And, you know, is all she wrote. So unless you have a coach that's pushing you and knows you, it's not a ton of punters out there. But that's what I think. I don't know. What do you say, Luke?
1: Yeah, I I thought this move was kind of wild, actually pretty spicy move. I just I didn't see it coming. But, you know, I respect it. They're rolling with the young kid with the potential to groom, develop him, got the bigger frame, the bigger leg, kind of just another win in Kwesi's first draft, even if he is a UDFA, they all count. And I think they'll certainly keep their options open because it's not like he blew the competition away and the bar let's Let's be real. The bar wasn't set very high to begin with anyway. So I still think he's uh, expendable. And they'll keep their eyes open on the market as cut days continue. Um, You know, I put it on maybe a 20, 30% chance come next Tuesday. I get what you're saying, Ron. Right now, there's not a lot of options. But next Tuesday at 3 p.m., everybody's got to be down to 53. Boom, the wild, wild west starts. There's going to be a lot yeah. of movement, teams cherry-picking guys that just got cut. Um, You know, Tuesday by 4 p.m. after cutdown day, Vikings may have another new punter on the roster pending who's available. So it's certainly not out True. of the question. But I think when you make a move like this, you say, hey, whether we end up getting and finding somebody new next week or not. We are comfortable and confident rolling into the season as this guy is our punter. So clearly they like him.
2: All right. Let me, let me guys, let me tell you guys a little history lesson. All right. Uh, about <laughs> four punters ago, Matt Weil was signed <laughs> by the Vikings after cut day. They, he wasn't in the picture at all. They bring in Matt Weil. Britton Colquitt was signed after cut day because he was cut. Vikings brought him in. Jordan Berry was signed after cut day, September 2nd, 2021. See the trend here? The Vikings organizationally have switched punters at the last moment three times in the last five years. They are open, I think, to punters hitting the market, scooping them up and saying, all right, that's our guy now. And I know that might not be fair to Ryan Wright and Jordan Berry, the guys who competed all, all camp, but that's the business. There are good punters on the market a lot of times after cut day. And I know it makes some sense to go young and cheap where you just have the guy under, your, on, under contract for the next three years in Ryan Wright. But this is the weird thing about this, fellas. Matt Daniels, special teams coordinator, says on, I think it was a couple of two days ago, he says, we're going to have a punt off. On Saturday, a (laughs) punt-off to decide the competition. Then they cut Barry. What's going on there? Kevin O'Connell gets asked about it yesterday. They say, did Ryan Wright win the job? And he says, well, we wanted Ryan Wright to be the only punter this week, but I think he still has to, like, compete with himself. Basically not giving him the job. I think that there is every possibility the Vikings find a new punter to bring in that is not Wright or Barry. And they might not even know who it is yet. I think they're just waiting to see what happens on roster cutdown day. So I'm a little bit of a conspiracy guy here. I think that there's, there's more at play. That's probably further down the road. Anybody wanted to, to hear today about punters, but my mind is racing. I think there's more going on here.
1: Uh, I got it at a 30% chance there's a new punter after cutdown days next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Sam, you seem like you're a little bit more than that, a little higher percentage. Would you say that's correct?
2: I would. I just I don't think you're going to be married to the rookie undrafted free agent punter if there's a good veteran like a Jordan Berry type who's been punting Mm -hmm. six, seven years and maybe he got beat out by uh, a rookie. Like, for instance, Ron mentioned the Buffalo Bills situation. That's an ugly situation with uh, with Matt Ariza. But their veteran punter got cut in favor of Ariza. And I'm not sure that he's a bad punter. I just think they wanted to go younger and cheaper. So I think there could be good options available,
1: and and let's be honest too here, just real quick as we wrap up. You're not saving a ton of money going with the cheap young guy either. You save what two, three hundred k at most. I mean, that's not moving the needle much either. So we know these guys don't cost a lot. So it's not like they're just trying to penny pinch and go with the cheaper guy to save salary cap. Uh, I think they want to go and find the best punter, whoever that may be.
0: So this is what I'll say: he is a rookie. He is a UDFA, so or undrafted rookie mm-hmm. UD, UDR, um, but he was a free agent, so he's a rookie, undrafted. They can stash him on the practice squad if they really like him and they want to grow him. That's mm. an option uh, because this practice squad probably will need one more quarterback if they, unless they decide to keep three um, for practice purposes. Um, and there's possibly going to be like, depending on how many receivers they keep, there's going to be two on there. There's not a lot of room needed for other positions. So I could see a punter maybe being on the practice squad for a little bit to see, um, and yeah, bringing in a veteran guy that gets cut. Cause there are going to be some cuts because some of these punters, the amount of money they make, if they're a vet, sometimes like, look, how many more yards are we getting out of this punter versus this guy? If it's five, 10 yards, is that five, $600,000 worth it? Probably not. And that's why veteran punters usually have to take a pay cut or they get cut. And, um. And that's any veteran though. That's not just punters. Veterans usually deal with that. Like, what are we getting out of this guy versus rookie? And is it like, is this, you know, whatever, three million worth it versus this one million? And that's that's where they kind of have to figure out, you know, money versus talent. But before we jump, because I'm excited about this next topic, because Jerry Kill, like, he could play DV the way he's backpelling right now. Like, I'm excited to talk about this. Like, I think Jerry Kill right now has a better backpedal than Louisine. But before we jump into this topic, (laughs) we have a word from our sponsors.
2: Yes, we do. I'm excited to get into that topic. I'm also excited to talk about betonline.net, the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find your favorite sports and events, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. You can check out the Broncos-Vikings line for Saturday and see if you want to wager on some preseason football. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all sports wagering information. They've got live in-game betting resources as well, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. BetOnline, where the game starts
0: so as we jump into this one good old jerry kill country jerry jerry and so the words people are using is like in 2010 when jerry kill came in he was beloved uh, the fans loved him the people loved him but why well before him was tim brewster and so this is i love like old TV show episodes, Fresh Prince, Cosby show, uh, you know, all those type of family, family matters with Steve Urkel. I love like the, the dad, like conversations that happen. And this is one, the way I premise Jerry kill versus Tim Brewster. If I were to reach out to you, Sam every day and I were to feed you or you Luke, and I were to feed you nothing but oatmeal and grits mixed together with no seasoning, no brown sugar, no nothing, no shrimp and grits, N- nothing special, just oatmeal and grits together. Just blah, bland, not even warm. It's just cold. Cause I cook it and then I leave it. And then I serve it to you for about a year, a year. And then, then I show up with just a simple hamburger, no seasoning nothing special to it. Maybe a little cheese, ketchup, relish. Not even pickles, just relish cuz hey, I'm just giving you you are going to love that relish hamburger, right? After a year of grits and oatmeal. And I'm not saying Jerry Kill is not good, but Jerry Kill to me, he wasn't flashy, he wasn't anything special, um as far as like creating a a new vibe, what he was was a better option over Brewster. Brewster completely like ran the program into the ground with some of his antics, some of his recruiting tactics, thinking that Texas was the place, the hotbed he had to get players from thinking he was going to play Texas and beat them all the time. Like all the stuff that he was saying just didn't fit what Minnesota was about. And so I think what Jerry kill is forgetting is when he came in and this is why I say this, he had to change the culture. He had to change what people thought about. Tim Brewster, he had to change what people thought about the past. The one in 11 seasons, all that stuff. He had to change it and he did. He won 10 games. He went to bowl games. He became a great coach. The fans did love him and appreciate him. He was good health declined. 2015. He moves on, not on his own regard because he had to from his epilepsy. Tracy Clays takes over. Tracy Clays is not a leader. Like, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. A head coach has to be more of a CEO. And I I look at it as, like, the office. Steve Carell, leader, carries the show. Kevin is just a piece. If Kevin had to carry the show, I don't think he could do what Steve Carell could do, and that's what Tracy Clays ended up being. He did fine because he was just able to keep doing what Jerry had done, but he wasn't creating his own. You know, he, you have to create your own when you become head coach. You can't just do what the last guy did because now you don't have your voice. You don't have your message. You don't have, you know, you don't touch every player. And then we know things happen. The scandal, you know, players deeming being out of control because Clays maybe didn't have a handle like Kill did. And so then P.J. Flett comes in and he wants to change the culture because of what had happened in the past. And I think Kill took it personal that it was a knock on him. It's not a knock on you. It's a knock on the culture that had happened in between your absence with clays. And when you think about kill now making the comments and then he backpedals, So I'm going I'm to break it down before we talk about it. He backpedals now and says, yeah, I probably came in a little too hot. I said, I'm never going to step foot back on the campus, blah, blah. Like, you know, he said, I, he said, I don't reg- I don't know if I regret it. I don't know if I can regret it or not. He said, but I do know my life has not been the same since I left Minnesota. So what I'm noticing now in that comment there is this is just a guy that is really hurt. He's hurt. He had to leave, but it's misguided anger. You know, they say women can identify what they're mad about and tell us. And we we, we're all married. So we know men, if you're hungry, you're mad. If you're mad, you're mad. If you're sad, you're mad. He doesn't know how to express what's really going on. He's just going straight to mad. Saying I'm not going to shake this guy's hand. He didn't do anything to you. He never once made a comment about Jerry Kill. He just came in and said, "We're going to roll the boat. We're going to change the culture. We're going to put our oars in the water, you know, compass, whatever." Blah blah. He didn't about Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill is making this personal. Jerry Kill doesn't know how to express his feelings. That's where I'm getting that. He doesn't know how to express his feelings. Like he's a man. We don't know how to express our feelings all the time. Like we don't. We could be completely sad, but we're gonna be mad about it. We could be hurt, but we're gonna be mad. We could be hungry, we're gonna be mad. Like it doesn't matter. Like we don't know how to until our wives or somebody says, Hey, what's really wrong with you? And then we open up eventually and say it. And then we like, man, I was mad because of I was I was just tired. I didn't even think about that. And so looking at his statements now, saying, You know what like it was my dream job in 2010 i was devastated nobody he said nobody really knows how devastated i was when i left minnesota like he's telling us exactly how he feels so i this is what i say fellas my question to you guys after all that jerry kill backpedaling a little bit he's louis c now he's backpedaling i shouldn't have said that i don't know if i should say that you know his backpedals not good but he's trying he's backpedaling but he i don't think he'll ever as a man say maybe he will but i don't think he'll ever just say i'm sorry my bad PJ. I, you know, but he said, I love watching Minnesota win. He said, I'm rooting for Minnesota, which he's not going to root for him when he plays him. But he said, I love watching Minnesota win. He's like, I'm not rooting against them. He did say I don't enjoy seeing him run up and down the sideline. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, so it, it, it's just interesting to me. But this is what I'll say Coach Keel walks into the stadium. Is he is like, what, what should we expect from this or what what needs to happen? For this to move forward like if pj puts up 77 points on him is this going to make it worse or is kill probably just going to bury the hatchet shake his hand and say you know what i don't know what's been wrong with me what do you think
1: yeah yeah, it's a good question i don't know it feels like kills the one who comes out pretty petty in this one personally i i like Kill during his time at minnesota hate to see the chirping going on feels a little unnecessary and maybe a little below the belt at times Uh, i i know his comments like you said ron it stem from a lot of emotions and i think just at the end of the day he's He's just still really loyal to the University of Minnesota. He still obviously clearly has a lot of love and passion towards the entire state and the, the football program specifically. And he's clearly got some sort of problem that, you know, what he's seen and what he's heard about the way P.J. carries himself and his real motives, I think he said something in there, some sort of quote about P.J. thinks he only cares about himself and not the players and, you know, not the, the image he's created and put on over these last few years. I personally – I don't have enough to go on other than what I've seen and heard, and I personally haven't seen anything of that nature. So it's hard for me to agree with him and, you know, these kind of verbal attacks that he's put on him until I'm proven otherwise. And, you know, to move on, I don't know. Like you said, Ron, I think this is a Jerry Kill problem, and Jerry Kill needs to find a way to manage his emotions a little bit better.
2: Yeah, you know, this morning, guys, I went out to get donuts – And when I go to the donut shop, I usually drive by our old house on the way back just to see what's going on over there. I drove by today and it was painted a different color. We painted that house. We spent a lot of hours painting that house. We were on ladders and we went through all these paintbrushes. We were filthy. We hand painted that house and now they painted a different color. So when you put a lot of energy into something like Jerry kill did in Minnesota and you see it being done differently. Even if that different thing is fine and good and, and works for those people, you're frustrated. You're frustrated that you worked hard and now it's being done a different way. And I can't think of two more different people than Jerry Kill and P.J. Fleck. Jerry Kill has really no filter. He's not super well like tr- PR trained. He just says what he feels and kind of plays the martyr card here and there. And P.J. Fleck knows exactly what to say in front of the cameras, and he comes across much more um, polished. And maybe Jerry Kill thinks it's inauthentic. Um, but Jerry Kill just needs to accept that, hey, P.J. Fleck painted the Gophers' house the color he wanted to. Jerry Kill had success. P.J. Fleck had success. They can be happy for each other. There doesn't need to be a rivalry here. That being said, I think it could get ugly on on is it Thursday. It's a Thursday game. Yep, Thursday night game. I mean, if P.J. – If PJ decides to run the score up, Jerry's going to find a way to feel insulted. I just think that's how he operates. So I don't know what the cutoff is. If it's 45, if it's 50, if it's 55, 60 points, but if they're 38 point favorites, if they blow the doors off, New Mexico state, this is not over. There will be something that happens. uh, A handshake snub after the game (laughs) or a post-game press conference and a, I'm kind of like sickly excited for it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I kind of want the drama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is what I'll say too. Here's a couple more comments that really are starting to like, as you, as you read more into it again, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a part-time psychologist. So when you read into it, he said, Flex got a great football team coming back. He's like, I said, I mean, you're not going to hear me say he hasn't done a good job. He's done a good job. He also said, I miss it and I worked too hard. I worked too hard. I didn't work smart. I guess that's the best way to do it. Kill share. I didn't work smart and I lost it all. So he's saying PJ's doing it right. PJ has a handle on the culture. He has a handle on being a CEO of a team. He has a handle on not overworking, doing it his way, making sure his message is thrown out there. Kill on the other hand, like you said, Maybe not PR trained. Maybe not trained in psychology like PJ is with all these acronyms and, and all these fleckisms. Uh, Kill is saying that. Like, I worked too hard. I overdid it. And I suffered from my health. I thought I had to do it all myself. And so, you know, when you look at that, when you look at all of uh Flex coaches being on the watch list, Kenny Burns, you know, Kirk Shiracha, all these guys. You know, coaches getting jobs elsewhere. People wanting them to bring in that Fleck to their program now. You know, he's he's like a he's like a a, a Shanahan, not Kyle, but his dad. You know, he's he's got that tree now, where people are starting to be like, man, this, this Fleck guy got something going. Like he's getting, and so I think Kill is also just he admires it, and he doesn't like he doesn't know how to do. It. I'm not gonna call him a hater, but you know, there's some people that no matter how good you're doing. They're never going to clap for you. You know, they're going to secretly be like, man, this guy's killing it out there. But they're never going to clap. They're never going to give you your flowers. And I don't think he'll can. But he also said, I don't know what my emotions are going to be. I don't know if the fans are going to boo me. I really just don't know. I wonder, too, because I don't know if these kids care. I mean, I don't know how many kids are watching just the news. Like, I mean, they're probably seeing this this article on Twitter. Uh, but I'm not sure they're watching, like, the newscast and they're getting that. But they are getting the tweets. So we'll see what the student section and the fans do. I don't think the older fans are going to do it. They love Jerry. The Dunkers had him as a speaker. So clearly they didn't think anything about half the comments he made. Um, but, hey, that's, that's, that is that's what it is. We'll see what happens if they shake hands, if he blows the doors off of him, if he doesn't cover the 38 points. I think that's going to be the key. I think a lot of people are going to want to hammer that the Gophers to cover. Like, But I don't think some people really truly believe it. You know, because Kill's going to throw everything at Fleck. He wants to completely try to embarrass him. Even though he's saying he has a good team, he's chalking them up. He he knows what he wants to do. He wants to I mean, he's going to run some trick plays and some things to try to confuse that team. So that's, that's what I'll say to that. But we, we got a couple minutes before we get out of here. Last quick one. The Minnesota Vikings. Now, people keep saying this over-under, this lose-win, preseason game, so on and so forth. Do you feel like, because the defense now look good in practice, do you feel like going into Week One versus the Packers as it stands now? Really quick, your quick one-minute take before we get out of here. Do you feel like this defense is going to be more dominant than the offense after one practice of people hearing Harrison Smith had two interceptions, Eric Kendricks had interceptions, Darius or whoever had you know I don't know if it's two, three or four interceptions. I couldn't keep count. Um, But is the defense now? quote-unquote, going to be better if they stay healthy than the offense, will they carry this team?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, everybody, the the huge discussion going in was how long is it going to take the defense to get, you know, the communication down, their chemistry of their own, things like that. It may take six, seven, eight weeks for the defense to finally catch up to the offense. Maybe we were wrong about that. Maybe it's actually this offense is a little bit more complicated than we thought and has a little bit more moving pieces and parts. Maybe it's the defense that carries this team first and foremost. I'll tell you what it's all going to come down to, though. It's going to come down to the defensive line switching from that four three to that three four. If you can have a dominant defensive line and room, uh, open up room for everybody else to make plays. Your linebackers that are Roman free, the safeties. Is Lewis seen going to be in the boxers at Harrison Smith? Uh, if this defensive line puts it together and Harrison Phillips be, can become that guy that they were hoped Michael Pierce would be and do the things that Linval Joseph helped Mike Zimmers do, uh, I think this defense could be just as good as this offense and not be the weak link that we thought going into the season that we were going to have to wait so long, maybe six, seven, eight weeks, like I said, for them to catch up to the offense. Uh, if that defensive line can produce with Dalvin Tomlinson, it sounds like probably Armin Watts will be that third guy, uh, then everything will open up for Ed Donatel in that defense. And then he can sprinkle in his little wrinkles, little different looks, little sub packages with Brian Asamoah and the nickel and things like that. Uh, then I think, fans will be a little surprised about how efficient and how dominant this defense will be and flash at times in 2022.
2: Yeah I think the offense still carries the load but I will say this from everything I've watched this preseason and training camp the players that are supposed to be good on defense look good. Zadarius mm-hmm. has looked awesome. Daniil has looked awesome. Harrison Smith a couple picks yesterday hasn't lost a step. Kendrick's had a great interception. Harrison Phillips has been dominating those interior linemen. So all the guys you want to be good have been good. I really don't see any busts on this defense. So if they stay healthy, that's a solid 11 they've got in the starting lineup.
0: Well, I'm going to hold my thoughts until week one, because I just really don't know. But I don't like seeing the quarterback throw multiple interceptions, but at least it was the ones versus the ones, and it wasn't the twos, because that would be a little scary. But that'll do it for the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast roundtable discussion. And make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube, where you can find videos of all of our shows, instant podcasts after every single game in the Vikings press conferences as well. When the season starts, delivering all the biggest news. Please like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comment section. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota for endless Vikings talk from local, experts. Well, that'll do it for us today and have a great one.